Hello, good evening, good afternoon, good morning and welcome to French Football Weekly. I am your host Chris and you join us in the midst of a somewhat blue international break, uh, not just because France got a couple of games, but because it's one of those international breaks where, frankly, no one really cares unless you're in a playoff, which of course France are, because we all know they're off to Russia already next summer. So we thought rather than go all silent, give you nothing to listen to, we thought we'd turn the show over to you, our lovely listeners. And we are going to bring you a bit of a show with a difference tonight in that we're going to talk listener questions uh, and see what you have provided us with to get nattering about. So before we go to the questions, I should of course introduce my panel. So a very good evening to Phil. Hello, Phil. Hello. And to Jez. Hello, Jez. Hi. And to Rich. Hello, Rich. Hello. So, uh, no mucking about then, boys and girls. Uh, let's crack on with our questions. We've got a couple of good ones here, and I'm sure a few will lead on to other things. So, we're going to start with uh, this one, which we I think we all quite liked. Uh, this one comes from Thomas, who's uh, at WYSAF man. So, WYSAF man. Uh, he wants to ask, if you had a chance to go back in time and change one thing about your club, what would it be and why? Of course, we're referring to the clubs that we support. So, uh, who fancies going first on this one? Put your hands in the air. <laughs> oh, Rich, that's, mine's, that's volunteering. Mine's, mine's a pretty straightforward one, to be perfectly honest. Um, if I could only go back and change one thing, it would be I'd go back and change the first Coupe de France final defeat to Gangle. And if I had a, um, a, a second option, <laughs> second thing I could change, it would be to go back and, and change the results of the second final. So it's nice and simple, but a, a cup win could have signalled all sorts of positiveness, but cup defeats, no, no thank you. So for me, fairly simple, I Fair enough. Uh, Jez, would yours be that Matt's got more points this season already, or are you going to go back a bit further? Uh, I'm going to go back a bit further. That to... was cruel, wasn't it? I'm very sorry. It's <laughs> okay. I chose to ignore it. <laughs> um, um, to the season that um, they finished second on goal difference to Lens, um, I would go back either to um, their home match against Lens that they lost 2-0, or I particularly remember very well a match in which they completely outplayed Cannes and somehow Cannes equalised near the end, so they went away with one point instead of three. Um, if one of those results had been different, Mess would have won Ligue 1. Um, possibly things would have changed for the better since, but even if they hadn't, at least they would have been able to say that um, they were once Ligue 1 winners and it a fantastic team um, with some great players and some great characters would have got um, yeah, a winner's medal that I think a lot of them deserved. Interesting, interesting. Um, and Phil, there must be something from Montpellier's history that you can sort of reach back to. I, uh, I kind of, these kind of questions just go send you down the rabbit hole. So I think I wouldn't, it would have been nice maybe not to be shifting managers so much recently and whatever, but I don't think I'd change anything because otherwise it gets, it gets too, too confusing to down the rabbit hole. And I think, you know, they've, uh, 
if everything was perfect, they wouldn't be the same team. So that's that's my kind of, you know, sit on the fence, liberal snowflake view. You've upset me by saying you wouldn't have signed Olivier Giroud to a hundred year contract for his <laughs> good looks and job. No, no. Um, he did an absolutely fabulous job over two seasons. He moved on and everyone was like, good for you because we're used to selling players and you know that was that was fine that was that yeah Yeah. well i i still love him so it's all good Um, good for you as for me um i've got a slightly different tangent to go on with l'oreal um one i would put the plastic pitch back down because i can't help but think that since that came up it all went a bit wonky so i'm gonna put the plastic pitch back down um (laughs) <laughs> I'm also going to bring back the Adidas kits because, frankly, the Kappa kit that I've bought makes me look very fat. So if we could get rid of those, that'd be nice as well. Um, and the final thing, which is maybe slightly more serious, even though people will probably chuckle at this, when they dismissed Ripoll last season, um, Jeremy Aliadier came back. And, uh, Rich, I think I spoke to you about this and we chuckled about it at the time. I would have brought him back as manager uh, just for um, something different. And I would have loved to have heard that sort of French Essex twang in, in the interviews and press conferences. Um, he's, a, he's got a very odd accent, has any idea. But I just thought it might be something a bit different, maybe for a club that were clearly on the slide at the time Ripoll went. So who knows? Maybe it will happen one day. But I just thought I'd throw mine into the mix there. So uh, there you go. Um, that's that. Okay, um, we're going to go back in time now for the next question. Uh, Phil, we had a question last week, um, which we haven't forgotten about, which is rare because we often say, oh, we must come back to that, and then we don't. But we had a question for some homework, didn't we? Who was that person and what was that homework? Uh, This is the team of players from outside the top two? Absolutely, yes, indeed. Yes. We have, again, Thomas same guy, um, asking us to create a team of players from outside the top two. Who would you pick and would it be able to compete with the top teams? Uh, now, Thomas, I, I apologise, Thomas. I didn't realise it was the same person. Well, there you yes. go. Um, um, now, you can kick us off, Philip. Well, some of us have um, made this a bit more tricky by saying you, you can only pick one player from each team outside the Whoops. top two because otherwise... Sorry. Leon, yeah, and you know, Chris failed to read the memo, but whatever. Um, so this is one where we're kind of pick trying to look at the individual quality within teams that maybe aren't doing as well but are still shining a little bit. Now, mine, I had a real goalkeeper crisis because trying to do the whole one team, one player from one team thing but I ended up with Mamadou Samasa from Troyes. Uh, they are 11th they've only conceded 15 five of those admittedly were in one match but then if you ignore that match which was a bit of an aberration pretty good otherwise three clean sheets uh, former Mali international and you have to think he will be again pretty soon given that their current goalkeepers are aging uh, so Mamadou Samasa in goal backline Kelvin Amiel from Toulouse, a right back, Joris Nagnon of Rennes and Diego Carlos of Nantes at centre backs, Jerome Roussillon from Maya Montpellier at left back. I think that's a, a solid defence with a bit of creativity and a lot of uh, character. Uh, Luis Gustavo from OM and Brian Darbo from Saint Etienne as your holders. 
both willing to take names and do the occasional goal as necessary. And then Malcolm from Bordeaux, uh, Fekir from OL and Tokoro Kambi from Angers as your front three with the uh, one, the only Mario Balotelli. Yes, he gets sent off in the same game he scores, sometimes up front. So I think that's uh, a cracking team, which possibly wouldn't finish many matches with uh, 11 men on the pitch, but it would be great to watch. Yes, immediately two names that I've just twigged I probably should have had in my team, but didn't. So never mind. Uh, can't change it now. Uh, Jez, what have you got for your side? Um, so I started with um, Dijon's Baptiste René and goal. Um, he's not been quite in the same form as last year, but I still think he's an excellent keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, the first name I wrote down was uh, Mises Souquet at right back. Um, I've also got Nianyot in central defence, along with Diop from Toulouse. And I've also got Roussillon at left back. Um, I've gone 4 2 3 1. So in midfield, I've got Luis Gustavo and um, Angelo Fulgini from Angers. Um, I've got this is a front two, so the middle of the three and the one. I've got Fekir, who is the second name I got down. And um, I've put Santini up front in the Giroud role. And then for the four, for the sort of two wider players, I've got four right wingers, <laughs> and I can't decide which ones to to keep and where to put them. But I've got Malcolm from Bordeaux, Salibur from um, Gangon, Branzer from Troyes, and Dossevi, just because I felt I had to get a mess player in there somewhere. Um, I will go, Malcolm's got to be there. I'll go, Salibur. There you go. Interesting. Interesting. So you've broken all the rules to sandwich them in. Speaking of breaking all the rules, uh, Mr. <laughs> Rich Allen, I believe you're going to do the same thing. Mine will, mine will become glaringly obvious as we go through um, that I've got exactly the same problem as, as, as Jez had. Um, I've got Tatrasanu in goal. I would have him down as, as one of the signers of the season so far uh, and, and a massive reason why um, Nantes have only conceded nine goals uh, only two teams have conceded less than them. Um, one of those teams was Montpellier. Um, I've gone with Mukiele at, um, at right back. Uh, I'm pleased that everyone's gone with Nanyon, um because I too follow suit. Um, I've also gone with Diop. I think those two are, are, are real shining lights for, for the young centre-backs um, that Ligon have to offer. Um, Left-back was slightly trickier. Um, it was a, a struggle to find a player. Um, looking at um, actually how well defensively Amiens have done, um, I've gone with um, uh, their left-back, uh, Debassi. Um, he's played nine or ten games, I think. Um, I think Amiens in that time have conceded 12 goals, but six of those were in two games. So, um He's, I know he's he's had a you know a big contribution to to how well that they've started defensively speaking. Um, two holding midfielders of Sankare and Darbo. Um, I've also then gone Fekir in the sort of advanced midfield role, um, and then I've got a striker of Tokoe Kambe, and then I've got two right backs, uh, two right backs, two right wingers. Um, I've got Grandsir of Troyes, 
And it pains me to say this, I've also got Tovan. Um, he's, he's one of only the... Th- I've said this on numerous, numerous shows, numerous tweets. There's, there's really been only three Marseille players, I think, that have turned up regularly this season. And, and I would have him as well. Um, so that's my team. I don't think it's going to be competitive, but it might produce some some decent, solid football. So um, I'm very much a, a mid-tabler, I think, with my team. Yes. Um, well, yeah, I, mean, I, I suppose I can't really uh, comment on how my team would do because I've broken all the rules. But just to sort of round it off, um, I've, uh, I've gone... Four two three one as well. Uh, I've gone with uh, Benjamin Leconte, Montpellier in goal, um, slightly because I love him, but also slightly because I think he's actually improved Montpellier in goal. I think he's a very decent goalkeeper, very steady. Um, Leo Dubois at Nantes. Uh, look at Nantes' sort of defensive records. Um, he's a player that nobody knew anything really about this season. Has come on leaps and bounds at right fullback. Uh, Gabriel Silva at left fullback, which kind of doesn't work because he kind of plays the other side for Saint Etienne. But in my team. He does what he's told, so that's where he's going. Uh, Yoris Gagnon is also in, as Rich said. I think we've all gone for him at centre-back. I've gone slightly different with Adama and Benge of Khan. Uh, I think they're overperforming. I think he's been quite a big part of that centre-half. Uh, this is where it all goes a bit wonky, because I've got a bit OL and Bordeaux heavy in midfield and up front. I've got Lucas Toussaint and Yulis Sakare in uh, in the midfield too. Sankari playing a bit deeper in my team because again it's my team so he does what he's told. Um, both been superb this season. Two stars. Uh, it's just a player I could just watch for hours. I just I just love everything about him. I think he's got a real future ahead of him. And uh, Sankari's a monster and has added goals to his game this season as well. Um, and then the three in front of those, uh, Malcolm of Bordeaux. I think most people have gone for him. Nabil Fakir again obvious choice and Toko Akambe I'm glad that somebody else I think Phil had him as well um, really impressed me this season and Mariona Diaz uh, for me is the fairly obvious choice up top if you're avoiding the top two um, I did give honourable mentions to Arno Suke um, Mathieu Dossavi from Metz as Jez said and indeed Florian Toman as Rich said from Marseille as well so um, my team clearly would win the league um, because I've cheated But despite that, even given that, it looks like all four of us chose Joris Nagnon at centre-back and Nabil Fekir. And we didn't confer, did we? We, None of us conferred. um, And interestingly, on Baptiste René, uh, if you fancy watching something that will make make your limbs ache as you watch it, uh, go on to Dijon's Instagram and watch his uh, training regime that he was put through today. Yeah, it looks like he'd be out of breath after a couple of sessions of that. Goodness me. Um, but there you go. That's just me being a geek and being very bored at lunchtime at work. Uh, we shall move on to another question. So let's go back to when we first asked the questions. And uh, we had this one in, <coughs> excuse me, from uh, King Balthazar, uh, who's at underscore King Balthazar underscore. Uh, um, this is going to be one for Jez and Phil, I think, to break down. He says, he or she, as someone fairly new to French football, can you explain how the Coupe de France works, especially with teams from Union, Tahiti, etc. participating? Have any teams from these principalities done well in the Cup? And who are your dark horses for La Coupe? Cheers. Um, So, who wants to uh, kick us off for that one? I can go with the um, sort of how how it works. Yes, Um, far away. Basically, I mean, it's similar to um, the FA Cup in that 
it sort of works its way up with um, smaller clubs starting um, obviously in, in lower rounds and sort of um, each stage the the next the next level up joins. Um, so you start with um, departmental club or deep actually clubs from departmental leagues and then regional leagues and then sort of the fifth tier, fourth tier, third tier. Um, and then come the, I think it's the, I think it's the sixth round is where the league de sides join. I think it's oh, no, sorry, seventh, seventh round. round, which we yeah. just had. The league de and the Outremer, the overseas teams, all join in at the seventh yeah. round, which was happened this weekend. Then, um, sort of the same weekend as the FA Cup third round would be the French Cup ninth round which is when all the league and clubs join. Um, and the, there's a couple of quirks within the French Cup which make it different and I think better than um, than the FA Cup, um, which is firstly that um, from a certain stage, if there's a two-division difference between the clubs, then um, the smaller club gets to play at home. And the other one is that um, the players play with numbers 1 to 11 in the cup. That really is rare these days, isn't it, by the way? That, that is a, yeah. Where do you sit on that? I'm not sure I like the... Serie A is a big one for high numbers, isn't it? I'm not sure I... I don't I know. Think it, I... It, it makes so. I mean, in a sense, it makes sense because they don't have names on their shirts. They were 1 to 11 because obviously some of the, you know, the small of the amateur sides wouldn't be able to afford named shirts so it's supposed to be that you know the referees won't you know look at the shirts differently but frankly if you're refereeing a cup match and you can't recognize Slatan Ibrahimovic then you know, <laughs> th there's bigger problems at play but it's part of that whole thing of trying to level the playing field as Jess says with the sort of inversion of um, of the fixtures to try to give the, uh, the the underdog a fighting chance now not all of them will end up playing at home necessarily their grounds might not be big enough but frequently they borrow a, a near by big ground maybe from you know the local bigger football team or the rugby team or something so they at least get to have you know that home atmosphere where they bring the entire town uh, to see off you know the these higher uh, higher ranked teams so it does add to um, does add to it there's no replays so everything if it's uh, if it's a draw goes to extra time, goes to penalties. There aren't replays in the Coupe de France as well. So that, again, means that you've got that smaller club isn't thinking, ooh, but we want to, you know, get the gate on the bigger match or anything. It's all about winning on the night. And as we said, the seventh round did happen this weekend. So that was 88 games, three of which were um, uh, postponed, presumably, for weather. But in answer about the uh, the teams from Utamea, the, the overseas teams, two of the 11 uh, are through. Both of, uh, all of them are classed as sixth tier teams and they were all playing teams of the third, fourth and fifth level. Two of them are through, one of whom is uh, Guillaume Etoile de Maturé, who beat Avranche, um, 
who are third tier. Uh, so that was uh, that took penalties, but that was quite a big uh, kind of giant killing there from Etoile de Maturé. And the other team we got through was Reunion's AS Excelsior, who you may remember for having some pretty good cup form recently. Uh, two years ago, they took uh, AC Ajaccio to penalties in the eighth round, uh, going out to them. But last year, they actually reached round nine, the um, uh, uh, post-Christmas round uh, when they were drawn against Lille they played in Lille because you can't get a Ligue 1 team to fly out at that stage they lost 4-1 but you know that was a, a they put a, a good display up for a sixth tier team against a first tier team um, so they look like ones to watch to see um, how they get on um, in the uh, eighth round which will be the first weekend in December mental isn't it absolutely nuts it's, it's yeah. a huge competition but a lot of fun once you get through yeah. all these and small teams just also to mention because uh, Ligue 2 also they joined this round four of them are out uh, Clermont, Le Havre, Orléans and serial cup botherers Cavie Rouen Cavie um, oh. who made the final a couple of years ago and against Lyon that that was actually the biggest giant killing of the round they were beaten by sixth tier SC as a book um, and so they are out so the 16 Ligue 2 teams continuing and I think the draw happened earlier so uh, we'll try to keep track of what's going on when round uh, uh, round eight happens in the first weekend in December Yes, stay tuned. We will be uh, across that as best we can. I have uh, a random segue here. Uh, this is a nerdy question. Rich, I'm going to ask you. Um, if you don't know the answer, maybe somebody will, but I'm going to give it a go. Um, Liga, why do the players, this is another kit-related question, why is it that the shirt numbers are so small in Liga as opposed to other nations? Is that purely... <laughs> I know you it's know, a random I, question, but I, I've always wondered... I've never hey. noticed that. Have you not? They are that the shirt numbers are considerably smaller than the numbers you get on sort of other European teams' kits. Very strange. I I, I never noticed I, either. I assume I, it's I, to make room for more sponsors. Yeah, Chris, you're right. You, you you are you are a bit of a nerd. Yeah, I but it's true. Asking about you know <laughs> why do they have certain numbers for certain positions and no, I mean the only other one I had was I noticed that a lot of teams change sponsors for Coupe de France games. I think, I think PSG the Cup, Cup itself has a sponsor and yeah, that goes yeah. on all their shirts. Yeah, so that's that one's more sort of understandable. But there you go. Yeah, if if you are as nerdy as me, which I frankly <laughs> nobody is, but have a look next time you watch a, a game from around the world and then watch Slinga, the the numbers. You've are you've, you've, you've ruined football for me now because I'm going to spend all the time now looking at their shirt numbers. Don't get me started <laughs> on boots, Rich. That'll be the next thing. Um, is, have you all been... I was watching some of the African qualifiers over the weekend and somebody pointed out, I think one of the African teams, I cannot remember which one, has significantly larger numbers than anybody yeah. else. And it was, it was like, their backs were, were, it was weird. Once you see it, you won't look at anything else. It's the same with the Neymar boots thing we had a while back. Remember that? <laughs> that he laces up his boots on a regular basis so the cameras catch it. You'll you'll be looking now. You will. Um, Say that again. Uh, Neymar, he um, because of his extensive boot contract, uh, he bends down to tie his laces at random intervals throughout a game so that the camera will obviously see him bending down to tie his laces and focuses in on his boots. 
We have someone True in story. our five side match who does that, and it's fucking annoying. And he's it's, not in. He's not sponsored. I was going to say, is he filmed though? Is he on the sky? <laughs> um, apparently, this started in Barcelona. Um, guy I pod with was telling me about it. It, it got national. Well, say it got uh, coverage in Marca in Spain, and uh, Nike eventually um, admitted that there was part of the contract that his boots need to be. Uh, need to be photographed or filmed within the match at certain points to guarantee a sponsorship. So there you go. Fun and games. He um, could always kick a fan in the head. That would He could. Off. And we, yeah. we might well touch on people that do that sort of thing um, before we exit. So yes, let's mm -hmm. uh, let's save our keep our powder dry on that one. Um, speaking of other European teams, it seems a good way just to transition to this quick question here from Sir Chips, from Sir Chips Keswick. Um, which teams do you take an interest in uh, or support in either Spain, Germany, Italy, etc.? So in other words, outside of France and why? Um, now, I'll save mine for later um, because I've probably got a list, but I'll keep it short. But Rich, I think you're, you're somebody who follows a team in Germany. Uh, yeah, I... Uh... For quite a few years now, to, to nowhere near the extent of, of Ren, but I do keep an eye out for the results and, and take a bit more of a keener interest in, in Hertha Berlin in the Bundesliga. Um, it stems back, way back, to a school trip we did to Berlin. And uh, a few of us, perhaps not within the rules of the school trip, decided to sneak away. Uh, and pay a visit to the uh, to the football ground, which was quite a trek because it's not a city centre stadium. No. Um, but we decided to, to have a little trek out to the stadium. Uh, we all got shirts and numbers. I remember mine was Marco Reina, um, who at the time was sort of one of their big main defenders. Um, and really, since then, I've, I've followed them. Um, I saw them when I think it was when. Fulham were playing at Loftus Road. They had a season, I think, playing at Loftus Road. And they were in the UEFA Cup. So I remember me um, and the, the sort of group that had, had uh, broken away from the school trip had uh, decided that, with, teach, with a teacher's approval, I hasten to add, um, we were allowed to leave early for the day from school to head down to London and sit with the Hertha fans in Loftus Road watching a UEFA Cup match between Fulham and Hertha. Atmosphere-wise, it was incredible, but it was one of the worst 90 minutes of football I've ever seen. But, no, for a, for a, a number of years now, I've, I've, I've kept a, a close interest. And actually, the first bit of football writing I did was for the Hertha Berlin UK fan club site. Um, so maybe if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here now, whether some people would like that or not. <laughs> You'd be writing about Bundesliga, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, um, clearly, if that was the worst 90 minutes you saw, you haven't watched any of the qualifying, uh, the first legs, or indeed some of the second legs of these recent playoff games, because I've watched some proper crap the last 48 hours or 72 hours. But still, uh, fair enough. Um, Phil, I know you're, you don't have any specific size outside of France. No. Um, any affection for anybody else other than... Montpellier or French I, or I, I do in a sense I do keep an eye on where Montpellier players move on to, which means that obviously go Huddersfield uh, with Steve Mounier, as well as obviously uh, Oliver Arsenal and you know, they're spread all over the place and they tend to move around quite quickly. But um apart from uh, apart from Montpellier, obviously over the, the playoffs I've mostly been watching the CAF playoffs, so have been 
kind of avoiding the whole nil-nil thing, which the UEFA thing seemed to have uh, sprung up. So that was, it was a fun weekend. Yeah. Good stuff. And uh, Jez, anything from you? Any, uh, any clubs that uh, tug the heartstrings or that you just have a bit of an affiliation to? Um, I'm, I'm a bit like Phil. I'm, I can't watch any sport without wanting someone to win. I can't just watch anything as a neutral. If I put a sport on and I haven't got a clue what sport it is or what's going on, I'll base it on the football kit, whatever, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, in a lot of countries, it often depends on um, sort of following either former Brighton or Mess players or who've either moved on or even sort of certain players' former teams. I remember, like, I used to always have a soft spot for Everton and in the Scottish second division, I would always support Dumbarton because that's where Graham Sharp came from, stupid things like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, for example, in Spain, I kind of, I wanted Real Madrid to do well when Zidane was playing for them. But now I'm a lot more pro-Messi than pro-Ronaldo. So now I kind of would rather Barcelona did better of the two. But obviously with Griezmann at Atletico, I want them to do well. It just, yeah, it's more sort of taking each match as it comes. The only really, the only foreign team I've really got a soft spot for is AC Milan, just because probably two of my three favourite players ever are Paolo Maldini and Marco Van Basten. So, two um, pretty handy players in fairness. Yeah, uh, yeah, works works both ways, doesn't it? With with uh, players, because it's like I've always. Um, absolutely adored Zlatan and there is a small part of me that feels absolutely filthy when he's playing in a Man United shirt um, that just feels wrong but I can't, I can't help but love the man so I'm like a bit torn there and certain players if they sign for teams particularly uh, maybe someone like Spurs for example I can't like anymore so that's just the way it works um, um, and, and equally Jez I don't know if you're a, a FIFA man or, or Rich or Phil but um, I do kind of have fun looking up old players from clubs I support and building a team out of them and seeing how it works. Usually doesn't work very well, but that kind of goes with the Brighton thing you mentioned there. So, yeah, uh, good times. Um, very, very briefly, uh, just to give you a flavour of me, um, I follow Eintracht Frankfurt in Bundesliga as well as... I do have a soft spot for Paderborn, but they're so far down in the German region now that, that, that don't even know where they are. I think they're German third tier now, but they were fun in the Bundesliga. Um, I follow... Obviously, we know about Lorient. follow Arsenal, of course. Um, I also follow... Uh, who else do I follow? Inter Milan in Italy. Uh, PSV in Holland. Uh, where else are we? Spain, Mallorca. Um, I do have a bit of a soft spot for um, uh, what's the other team in Spain? Um, who do I? Who do I? Well, actually, I, I kind of follow three or four teams in Spain, so that doesn't really count. This but, explains yeah. why you have so many football shirts. I yeah, understand. That's where it sort of comes from, and I think the this is the, the nice transition into our next question. Actually, the biggest criticism I get from my friends, um, which of course watching all this football, I don't have many friends, uh, <laughs> is that uh, my friends hate the fact that I am the most unpatriotic person in the world ever. I do not give a monkeys about England. Uh, I supported France in the 98 World Cup. That's where my love for, Fran for France and French football came in. Yes, there was a little bit of a touch about it because of the Arsenal heavy contingent, I'm not going to lie. But um, I tried to learn the words of the Marseillais, failed miserably. But I, um, I, I followed France ever since. I have a real soft spot for Sweden. 
and I really can't stand England. So um, I do have quite a lot of foreign jerseys, and I got a lot of heat this summer for following the USA, uh, the last World Cup. Um, a lot of stick for that, but, you know, there it is. Um, which is uh, where I'm going to go with the next question, because the next question is about France. Uh, and I think this will provoke some debate. Teddy Cahill uh, wants to know, what's the best formation for France this summer? Uh, I think you all want to have a sentence or two on this one. So, uh, Jez, do you want to kick us off? Where do you, uh, what formation do you see France, or what formation do you think would be best for France in the Summer's World Cup? Um, I, to be honest, I don't really. I think people get too bogged down in formations. I think it's one of the sticks that are used to beat Deschamps um, in his sort of, uh, you know the people who, in in their eyes, Deschamps can't win. So you know, during your two thousand and sixteen, I thought he was excellent at changing formations and playing around slightly as um, as was needed during matches. And people had a go at him for for not knowing what his first team was or what his first formation was. And, you know, there's been so many articles recently, what is France's style? I'm not entirely sure that, you know, unless you're sort of the great Barcelona team under Guardiola or the great Holland team with Cruyff, I don't, I don't actually think many teams really have a or Tony Pudis at the other end. I don't think many teams really have a style. And I'm happy for... France to adapt according to the players available in the team that they're playing. Um, I mean, generally, I do like, this is kind of contradictory, I've always liked a team with two speedy wingers hugging the touchline, but at the same time, um, I love I love a team with a, a truly classy um, number 10 playmaker. Um, I'm not sure France have that. I think the only player possibly really capable of stepping up and doing that at the moment is um, Fekir, but even then he, he generally plays a little bit further forward. So I, I guess, I mean, yeah, 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, but as I said, I think it depends. I'm a lot more interested in the players and the opposition than where they stand for kickoff. And a lot of the time, I think that's all it comes down to. Yes, yeah, I'll uh, I'll, I'll echo that uh, to wrap us up in a second. But um, Phil, what, what would you go with you on the solizers, Jazz? Or I, I think saying the formation is where they stand at kickoff is partially true, but it also informs the players that the coach picks and the combinations of players that the coach picks. And there's been a lot of stuff about, you know, Pogba works best in a 4-3-3, Giroud works best in a 4-2-3-1. How you get, in a sense, the best players for France playing in the best way is maybe Fekir as a 10 would be better in a 4-2-3-1 than in a 4-3-3. But if you go to 4-4-2, who, who knows what's what's going on? It's... it's tricky to find the balance of what is as you say where they stand as opposed to who is picked in the first place we've seen all the you know the crap again this weekend about documentaries about Benzema and his mate saying he needs to be back in the team and all of this kind of kind of caper he doesn't to my mind he doesn't need to be back in the team but they need to find a system that works for the players they do have and when you look at Tonight, Giroud is injured, so Lacazette is starting. They are two different players. 
that does imply a different system. And yes, the players should be able to adapt to the situation they find themselves in. But I think the the thing about picking a formation is that it informs the players who are picked and then what they do on the pitch. And so it does mean that you've got this situation where there are kind of too many players to pick in a particular position and he has to pick just one and then it kind of doesn't work out um, work out right. So it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. I think the, the front three um, is, they're saying it's Martial, Martial Lacazette and Mbappe as the front three, Mbappe playing on the right wing, which I think none of us particularly confident about. Um, you know, how is that going to work with basically three centre forwards as your front three, as opposed to, as Jess said, actually having specialist wingers with a target man, even if Giroud is much more than, you know, a big lump up front. That's how, you know, that kind of 4-2-3-1 system works. So, I don't know who's fit and who's in form and, you know, pray God they're put out in a combination that makes sense is basically, I think, the best we can hope for. Yes, yeah, that's that's all anyone can wish for, I think. Um, and Rich, what would you be inclined to go for and do you care about formations? Uh, I'm not overly, overly fussed on, on sort of the ins and outs of that. Um whether I should be or not, maybe another question, but I'll keep mine fairly, fairly brief. Um, four, two, three, one, four, three, three, both can work. Um, if I'm Deschamps, I'm looking at the team. It, it's tough. Cause I think whatever formation you're going to play with, I think you're going to have through, through no fault of Deschamps, you're going to have a player, well, at least one player, not in their best position. Um, it, you know, that's just the, the sad reality of having such a stacked squad, I think. Um, I, I probably would err more towards a 4-2-3-1. Um, I think France have to go into, or should be going into, certainly the World Cup tournament, looking at um, Mbappe and Dembele being their big, big threats um, down, the, down the flanks, Griezmann through the middle, um, and Giroud doing what Giroud does best. Um, whether he, he experiments and decides to put Griezmann further up and then bring Fekir in, uh, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, but that's not saying anything against Giroud. He does a fantastic job. Um, but he's got options. Um, you know, we, we've seen already in these two friendlies, um, I think we, you know, we're starting to see that he is willing to, to try a couple of new things out, new players, new styles, new formations. Um, because that's ultimately what these certainly these friendlies are for. Um, I, I think he's not in previous years. He's perhaps not used friendlies in that capacity. Um, but you know, we're we're now less than a year to the World Cup. There is a you know a, a, only a small number of games left. So it's pleasing to see him trying new players. It's pleasing to see him trying new new styles of play. Um, but if you were to sort of force me to, to give an answer on what, what sort of formation, yeah, I would probably stick with the, the four two three one. Yeah, and uh, to round us off very briefly, my 
my thoughts on it. Uh, 43 1 for me. Um, well, I have a caveat 43 1 in possession, 4 5 1 out of possession. Uh, there's nothing that winds me up more as a coach of an adults, yes, that's adults Sunday League football team, as indeed I am, uh, when players turn up and go, well, the formation doesn't work. Absolute rubbish um you set up in a certain way when you lose the ball you get behind the ball and you try and win it back when you get the ball is when you're in the formation that you are set out into attack and players should uh, i use that word in quote marks have the intelligence to know where their best positions are playing and how they're set up from kickoff so i think, I your, think it's... your entire sunday league team has just been subtweeted there um, um well, they have, and as they bloody well should do, because they don't listen enough. But uh, it it really gets my goat when when uh, and obviously supporting a club um, in England as I do, which constantly has these fights about players in the right positions and all oh, they play better for their national teams because they play in the right positions and all this. It honestly it, it annoys me in the modern game of football, a formation. Yes, of course you have to have a structure. Of course you do. But when you watch some of the very best sides in Europe, they all press as one, they all defend as one, they all attack as one, and it's a very free-flowing style of play. Um, and I think France have got, when you look at that squad on paper, there's enough players there with enough caps, intelligence, nous, football brain to to be able to set up in any of a 4-3-3, a 4-2-3-1, a 4-5-1, a 4-4-2 even, to, to really set that stage alight if they're on their game. So, yeah. There you go. That's my rant over. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to dive in with a. It was it was a, a France-related question, so now seems an opportune time to jump in. Yeah. It's simply a, a question I was asked at work. Funny enough, uh, a a friend and colleague of mine, um, Ollie, he shall go by, or Millsy as he prefers, um, asked. He wanted to know, and it was I thought it was quite a good question. Going into the World Cup, is this France squad or potential France squad is this you know is this a squad that have got the best chance to win the World Cup since they they lifted the uh, the trophy in '98? I thought it'd be interesting to know what people thought. I think so. I, don't, I, I mean, I, I you look at it's so hard to judge because obviously you can't judge players on paper, but you look at that squad and there's just... The thing I always think with France is I look at the players that are not even in the squad. And I think, like, hmm. as I said earlier on, I'm not particularly interested in England full stop. Um, I'm the biggest hypocrite in the world at the moment because I'm watching them now, but only because I hope they lose. But um, when you look at some of the players that England have to offer and you go, right, we're sort of scratching around you know, to find some of the best young talented players, or we got some like Jamie Vardy through the middle and you, and you look at the talent France have and the players are not making it. And you just think there's so many talented players there that, that surely that squad is capable of winning things. And then you look at the, the 98 vintage. I mean, even as staunch French football fans, would any of you have, have thought Stefan Givash would have been the, you know, the talisman to lead France to glory? I don't think anyone would really. I mean, I would, anyone... and I've written an article about it. Oh, you would. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, you know, what, what, did anyone think Barthez was one of the best goalkeepers in the world at the time? Would anyone see the the Turam semi-final performance coming before it did? Laurent Blanc. Did anyone see the leadership he had? Um, even a young Thierry Henry who looked a lot like the singer Eagle Eye Cherry back in those days if you remember him listeners um, did anyone sort of see him bursting through you know in centre stage come the next tournament along with Trezeguet so I mean it's it's hard to say until they're there but surely on paper they've got it is one of the best squads but then 
could we say the I'm, same I'm about gonna, the last I'm going to disagree a bit then. Yeah, go for it. I basically, in answer to most of those questions, my answer would be yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> apart from Bartes. Okay. Um, wasn't actually one of the best goalkeepers. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Um, but I think, yeah, you could, I mean, you couldn't see Turam scoring, but he was already one of the greatest defenders in the world. I think Blanc was, was it Juve at the time, leader. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, or Palmer, I'm not sure. Yeah, um, so, yeah, yeah. And I would say that um, probably the 2002 squad was stronger and arguably even stronger than 98. That was a real disappointment and there's loads of factors. I'm still sure a book could be written on the different factors. The main one being that France's two best playmakers, Zidane and Pires, were both injured. But I still think overall that was probably a better squad than this one. In terms of when when you factor in things like experience as well, the form that they'd been in the two or three years previously, um, that one, I think, was right. I think they had, I think the squad had the top scorers in four of the five major leagues or something like that as well. So that that squad was the out and out favourite, I think, to win the 2002 World Cup and really should have, well, certainly obviously should have done better than they did. But, you know, arguably anything less than a, a final appearance would have been a disappointment. This one, absolutely fantastic potential, but I still don't think they're they're necessarily within the top two or three teams in the world. Mm. Okay, well, uh, it's a good case for defence. Um, Phil, have you got anything to add to that uh, that sort of statement or the, the squad as a whole? Yeah, I think I, overall it. I agree with Jeremy. Um, I think the the place where we see a lot of innocence um, blocking up of multiple players being available is the set, maybe the centre back positions where there just seem to be loads of really, really good uh, centre-backs. And it, you just look at some of the full-back options and are going, there's, there's, there's issues here. I mean, one of the other questions, not actually a question for the pod, but after the Wales game was from our good friend, uh, Jeanette L93, how was Kazawa awful again? Um, <laughs> you know, that's problematic. Christophe Jallet is starting at right-back. That's problematic. The, there are weaknesses here. Yes, there's a lot of potential, as Jess said. There's a lot of creativity. There's some great centre-backs, but there's thing, still things that need to be sorted out um, and that, that could be better and that aren't as balanced as possibly they were in the past. Fair, yeah, fair. And um, Rich, I'm sure you answered the question uh, from your mate at the time. Uh, how did you answer the question? I'm intrigued. Um, I said it's difficult to say. Um, I think there well, are still get off ga- there are there are <laughs> gaping there are gaping pro- you know, obvious problems with the squad. And Phil rightly pointed out, fullbacks is is the main one, um, and certainly a right back. I think we're all preying upon you know belief that Mendy is is you know gets back to gets back to fitness and then is is sort of playing in cotton wool till the end of the season when he when he does return. Um, it's a case of, I suppose it's a case of, could you, can you win a World Cup based on the fact of we're just going to outscore you? Um, you know, I call it the sort of Blackpool in the Premiership philosophy. 
of of going. You know, could could you win a World Cup on the the, the presumption of well, we'll concede four but score five? Um, you know, it would be lovely to see. I don't know whether it can be done, but certainly this squad seems to indicate that 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 could almost be a could almost be a, an op- you know a plan for this squad because they are so heavily. I think stacked with options going forward. Um, you know, you look at the players who could potentially miss out on a on a place in that squad, and they'd get into any other team around the world. Um, so, player for player, probably not as good as previous um, as previous squads, but certainly I would have them as. I, if I would, well, I told him that to be honest, I'd be I'd be looking as a French supporter. I'd be looking at a semi-final spot for this team, and that that would, I think, that would be a, a, an excellent achievement for that that squad. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Well, well, I mean, you lot call yourselves experts. I mean, you know, I shall laugh heartily when uh, a fit and firing Adil Rami leaps like a salmon <laughs> in the 94th minute of the World Cup as France to, to dump head in, out to head into his own, head into his own net and, and guarantee her Renard's Morocco win their first World Cup. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's likely to happen, so please put your wallet away if you're listening to this. Uh, there's no money to be made here. Uh, but we shall, we shall see. Um, here's a nice, uh, amusing sort of question uh, from uh, Wang Weizai at Schalke JJ. Let's go with that one. It's easier. Uh, why do Onja have a panda as their mascot? Jez, do we know this? Um, I assume it's for no other reason than their colours are black and white. So. Yeah, that, that was all I could find out. But I did find that the, the panda is called Scotty. Because ah. Sco and just S-C-O and just Scotty. That's basically Clever. as good as we've got um i'll have to add that to the list of legal mascots so we did a, a piece on this a couple of years ago because mets have an extremely scary dragon i believe uh ren you've got uh, is it ermenig the uh, ermin uh, we who, do. We do. Ermenic, yeah uh who um occasionally he has his own skate- twitter account and it's yes. very, very good <laughs> yes um, <laughs> occasionally an excellent video of <laughs> There's an excellent video he posted before a game. I can't remember what game it was recently. I think it was the police were trying to get through, and he's in full costume, clearing and clearing people out of the way, clearing the metal railings out of the way, and the commitment to the role was superb. Yep, he's he's also also um, uh, moved coffee off uh, an ice box to prevent. Um, <laughs> Bielsa from sitting on it again <laughs> in that season when he was at Marseille. So, um, yeah, the Ermenig Twitter account is actually quite a good watch. Montpellier have got one um, this season. He, he's like, a, but it's like a little a boy mascot. So it's like a human form mascot. I can't be dealing with it's that. Freaky. That's just, that's just, it's just freaky. weird. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, a big Ermen. Uh, Evian had uh, Rosie the Marmot. That was cute. Valenciennes had uh, Cyril the Seine. Civil Swan. That's you know, it's kind P- of PSG have got Hatton Ben Arthur. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. That's very good. Yeah. Yeah. But have you know, seen... I, I think you know, if if it's gonna be a plushie, it's gotta be an animal. You can't be have you seen the just you see Lorion's fish? Um I'm not sure the about hake. that either. The hake, sorry, hake. yes, yeah, I'll yeah. get it right. You're absolutely right. Not sure about that. Um bit dodgy. Uh and is is Gib Leo's mascot? Um, has he been approached about the role? I mean, I, I, I mean, I think 
didn't one of a retiring player ended up playing their mascot after a game and like body popping on the pitch and then took his head perfectly head possible and that was it's it's all in i will retweet the uh, the mascot article where a lot of these links and ridiculous pieces of trivia can not be. a not a not a mascot per se but i think became a sort of unofficial mascot was it the bordeaux fans yeah, was it Alarma? Kidnapped Yeah, kidnapped. Took him onto a, a tram or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Surge, yeah, that... Surge, Surge the Llama. Uh, That's right up there with Hennis the Goat at Cologne, isn't it? Who uh, gets um, I trotted it, out every it, year. It wasn't actually the fans that kidnapped the Llama. It was just random students. Randoms, and then yeah. when the Llama was then found again, there'd been an outpouring of support from from the to lose fans and therefore the llama was the guest of honor at the next um match and some of the to lose ultras were not happy about this on the grounds that it made them all look silly and then there's well. the, the pesky eagle at, uh... at nice, yes. nice, nice um, yeah. which um Mephi, uh, the eagle which i think there's some rumors that the new Me- that Mephi at the moment is not the original Mephi because the original Mephi ended up getting a stadium ban from the lfp <laughs> Whoops. Bad behaviour. So, yeah. Well, yes. if you if you're gonna land on the goal crossbar, you're gonna be in trouble. Match, aren't you? Glare at is the that, goalkeeper and, and delay the match for several minutes. Then yeah. That is that like the problem. the Seri who plays for Nice isn't the same Seri who played for them last year? Oh, that's just mean. <laughs> Although I do look forward to the day that Hatem Banafa lands on the crossbar at the Parc de Princes and holds up the game for, based upon your logic there, Rich, as, as Banafa is the mascot. So, yeah, that, that's answer of the week. I like that a lot. Um, we did actually get asked another question from the same person about the relationship between Mets and Argentina an Argentina seems interesting um would like to learn about it uh, we don't really know too much Jez do we as our resident Mets man about that relationship there's no real there was some kind of partnership between Mets and River Plate which generally proved very very fruitless um but the two Mets Plate two Argentinians that are with Mets now um that's neither of them have got anything to do with River Plate um, so I guess we've just got a scouting network in South America, but probably most yeah. teams have now. Yeah, um, the modern game, isn't it? Like picking players from certain players or uh, certain places, sorry, certain players from certain places or whatnot. And look yeah, at what I think also is doing, for example. It's sort of um, not a virtuous circle, but, you know, we, we also had, um, we had a Venezuela and a couple of years ago we had... Um, Guido Milan, who, who left in the summer, who's sort of half Argentinian. So, you know, pr- presumably when you hear that a club's got a passing interest in you and you start looking them up on Wikipedia and seeing that there is a, there has already been an Argentinian influence, maybe it just sort of snowballs a little bit from there. But. I think that's called doing a Danny Rose in the trade, isn't it? Googling players or Wikipediaing players that you don't know anything about. That's what that's called. Um, isn't that what okay. Rubinho did with Man City? Isn't yeah, it? I think it was. He thought he was signing for United, didn't he? And realised it was City. <laughs> Whoopsie. Um, I think the last question we're going to have, I think, is another one that you got, Rich, wasn't it? Late in the day. Um, uh, yeah, it was a it was a two parter, really. Yes. Um, first part asking uh, how Mbula's done since moving to Toulouse on loan. Um, the second part was how uh, Ismail Assar has progressed since joining Rennes. 
Um, <laughs> uh, well, in answer to the to, to the Mbula question, I think he's been pretty solid, if if unspectacular. So sort of very very Toulouse like. Um, I think he's done better than Sonogo has so far. Yeah, but to be fair, I've done better for Toulouse than Sonogo has. So uh, he's uh, he's been ever present since since joining them. As have um, I. And, uh, and to be honest, to, to be honest, he's he's just looking a rusty player who's just finding his way back. You know, it didn't work out at Stoke, so it's good to see him back. It's good to see him playing regularly. Um, and he's just a, a solid player. You're not going to get anything spectacular from him at the moment. Um, certainly not at sort of his Marseille form. Um, but maybe, maybe he'll rediscover that with with you know the consistent game time that he's, he seems to be getting at, at Toulouse. Um, Ismail Assar, injured, unfortunately. Um, picks up a nasty um, heel injury. Um, again, the game against Saint-Étienne. Wasn't a, wasn't a nice one. Kevin uh, Tierfield-Catherine, former Ram player, seemed to quite blatantly stand and break his studs down the back of his ankle. Really painful. Um, that's unfortunately kept him out until I think he's due back around January time. But up until then, he certainly wasn't looking the sort of 17 million euro player that we bought him for. Um, there were glimpses. Were you, were, you, were you not playing him sort of up front in a 4-4-2? Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't played in his best position. A, a bit of a Gorkuf downfall. Um, but yeah, he was, played, he was being played as, 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 a, as part of the two up front um, with Mubale. And it just wasn't getting the best from him. You know, you saw with Mets playing out on wide, wide on the left, and I mean, you saw how well he did. That's hence the 17 million euros in the summer. So, um, fingers crossed, he comes back from his injury. You know, gets played in the right position now under under Lamushi at Ren, um, and we we sort of see that Mets form that we saw second half of last season. Here's here's hoping, says Rich, clutching at every to, last fight. To, simply. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. He is one of those young, talented players that you want to see progress, and that's um, that, that's going to lead me into the, the the very final question. Just before we wrap up the show, with sort of a little any other business to uh, to finish, um, I want one player and one player only. So just literally a one player answer from you all um now i've dropped i'm going to drop this on you so no time for preparation here but it's it's a fairly speculative question um last season i think we'd all agree that Kylian mbappe was the big standout from liga now i'm not going to ask you to name the next Kylian mbappe because that would just be unfair but if you could pick one player young player i'm going to caveat this with that you expect to be the next big export from Liga at the end of this current season, um, who would you pick? And you're not allowed to pick for Kia because it's too obvious. Because <laughs> um, I could see you all thinking about that. Um, Phil, have you got anyone that you think, young player, that you would hang your hat on and say, yeah, in a few months or six months' time, he's going to leave Liga for big money or indeed join a big club in Liga for big money? Oh, he's already at one, but um, tagging Dombelli, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see. Yeah, uh, I can see it. So you think I he mean, can make I, step ho- up? I hope he stays, but but you know. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. A good shout. Um, Rich, have you got one that you can pluck out um, of obscurity? He was in my team actually at the start of the podcast, um, but it's not Nyanyon. Um I would say Issa Diop. 
I think fantastic defender. I think Toulouse has slapped 20 mil minimum on him. Um, and it has gone on record that Zidane is a big fan of Diop's. Um, and he's just got everything you want from a centre-back. So I think his, his big move, I think, is bordering on overdue now. So it's, it's, it's a Diop for me. There you go, Tony Pulis. If you are ready to pull the trigger, he can be West Brom's for cut price free. I really hope not. I really do. I, and I agree with you, Rich. I think he's. It would be depressing, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I must confess, I like Julian just that little bit more, but only because he just has a sort of prettier style. But if you want a defender and have an out defender, I think Diop's uh, a very good shout. Um, and Jez, have you got anybody that you can uh, think of that you'd like to put forward for the, the next big move? I was actually going to go Diop as well. Um, so in Great instead, minds. I will mention. Uh, I haven't had a PSG wind up for a while. I could see um, if they're not given sort of guarantees, Rabio in terms of the position he wants to play in, and Kimpembe in terms of um, yeah. sort of finally getting ahead of Thiago Silva, which I think he will, because I wouldn't be surprised if Silva leaves in the summer. I could see one of them moving. And I think if a player like Alisson Player, I think if he has a good sort of second half of the season, I could see him sort of going to a, a I really like him. Premier League team. Yeah, a Southampton too. type of type yeah, of level that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. or you know, yeah, Leicester maybe now Puel's there, you never know. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I think the only one I'd throw forward is probably a bit obvious, but Malcolm, I think's mm. probably the the obvious yeah. one. Hour um, has some hour. Um, yes, that's another good shout. And Leon, I don't yeah. think he'll yeah. go. Yeah, no, I think it's neither, too early. Neither do I, but I think there'll be some bids in. Yeah, yeah. which Yoma uh, well, Olas will have to do his normal uh, wall building, uh, social media uh, campaign. Yeah, said to, bids to complete using. To complete that Leon trio, then probably Tusar as well. Tussar. I think yeah, the three, the, those, those three are, are potentially the sort of long-term future of the French midfield. Mm. As, you know, not not only Leon and then you know, European clubs, but but and the national level as well. Yeah. On on the long-term future of France and its midfield and others, can we just mention um, some of the other levels of France which have been playing over? over this weekend uh, which weren't all friendlies um, so we've got the under 19s have qualified for next summer's Euros with a 7-0 win out of over Andorra and a 2-1 win away in Bosnia-Herzegovina Rafik Kitan and Moussa Diaby with the goals Alban Lafont of Toulouse in goal the under 20s played a couple of friendlies uh, against Morocco 1-1 and winning 1-2 um, Iconi, Caramo and Guendouzi with the goals over those two games and the under 21s are now five wins out of five although have again had to come from behind in one of those games uh, they beat Bulgaria 3-0 with goals from Terrier Ncham and Mousse uh, and then beat Slovenia away 3-1 with a hat-trick for Celtics Moussa Dembele which was look took place in about 10 minutes and was just utter chaos uh, as Slovenia had a man sent off for one of the worst tackles you will ever see uh, in your life. So um, the junior levels of France are also doing really well at the moment, which is great to see. 
Absolutely. And um, to sort of round off our any other business, we've got um, Women's Champions League. Is that back this week? Yes, that is tomorrow. It's the second leg of the round of 16. Oh, well, perhaps unsurprisingly beat uh, Kazakhstan champions beat Kazigurt 7-0 away in the first leg with a haul. Four goals for Ada Hegerberg. Um, Montpellier again have the tighter result because they're the lower ranked team. Um, and these are much more interesting matches. They won 3-2 away in Brescia, the um, Italian champions um, who beat Ajax in the last round. Montpellier scoring with Blackstenius, Kmart and Linda Sembrandt. So those games are... The return legs of those are happening tomorrow night, Wednesday. Um, so it'll be, obviously, OL is a procession, but it'll be really interesting to see if Montpellier can keep hold of that lead and progress to the next round. And, Breaking uh, news, France have just yes, scored against Yes, just going to say, France have just <laughs> opened the score against Germany as well. Uh, yes. It? Uh, it was, it was uh, Martial Gaze Lacazette at Tappin. Oh, I love that, man. Um, Lacazette, that is. Yes, so France lead in Germany at time of recording. Um, and of course, Ligue 1 returns uh, this coming weekend with uh, club football is back and we're all happy about it. So we'll be ready to break down the week next week. Uh, to give you an idea of the fixtures, we have Lille St Etienne on Friday at 6pm UK time. Amiens host Monaco the same evening. It's like later time of uh, 7.45. PSG host Claudio Ranieri's Nantes, as we have to call them, of course. Dijon, Troyes, Gangom, Angers, Strasbourg, Rennes, Toulouse, Metz are the 7 o'clock kickoffs on the Saturday night. And on the Sunday, Khan versus Nice is the 2pm game. Lyon against Montpellier is the 4 o'clock game. That one could be a good one. And to round off the weekend, Bordeaux against Marseille, which could also be quite tasty indeed. So that's your weekend's fixtures coming up. Uh, and on that note, I think that's where we will draw an end to our uh, listeners' questions special. If you have asked us a question and you didn't get it answered, uh, give us a nudge and we'll try and get it in for next week. But hopefully we got to all the questions we had. Um, and to round off the podcast, just in a sort of quite comedic fashion, I'm going to ask my panellists to describe Patrice Everett in one word uh, as uh, news filtered through this week that it would appear his time at Marseille uh, is done, uh, possibly even his footballing career. So, uh, yes, one word to describe Patrice Everett from you all. And if there's anything you want to add to that whole sordid affair, uh, now is your time. Um, Phil, would you like to kick us off one word to describe him? Optimistic. Oh, like it, like it. That was a lot more polite than it could have been. Well, uh, I I do like the guy to a certain extent. I think that I love this game. I know it annoys people, but he is trying to do a good thing. He is trying to be positive and talk <laughs> talk things up. And yes, he ends up, you know, dragging a lorry through a car park in the desert and hugging a panda in a, a sports car. We've all it's done it. Weird. It's weird. I know that, but you know what? I know so many people, football fans, who love that man, love him a lot. And weirdly, a lot of them are women. And it's not about thinking he's sexy or anything. It's his positivity and his attitude and the the sense of humour, I think, attracts a lot of positive vibes. And while I think he is a bit of an idiot, not a very good left back anymore, fine. So I think optimistic is the best word because he is still hanging on to that kind of spiritual side of things and good for him. And I hope everything goes well for him. I just hope he never plays for France again. 
Fair enough. Uh, Jez, um, you know how it is. You go out for a few beers, you dress as a panda, you pull a truck through a desert. It happens to the best of them. Um, <laughs> maybe he's Scotty. It, maybe he is. Maybe that's his future calling as a mascot. Uh, maybe. Um, what, what's your one word you'd like to use to describe him? Can we not do a new podcast just for me to come up with words? To, you to you can. No. I've, 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 got, <laughs> I've got things to be getting on with, but we can just leave um, recording if you want. That's fine. Based on, based on <laughs> Phil's answer, I've changed my word from just the very rude words to bullshitter because <laughs> I don't buy any of it whatsoever. <laughs> Okay, uh, that's that's fair enough. No, I I can I can jump on board with that. Um, and Rich, are you somewhere between the two, or can you offer any words of happiness? Uh, I've got I've got I can't work, use one word to describe ever. I've got one word for ever, and that's simply just retire. You stole my thunder. Damn you! That is exactly where I was going to go. Um, okay, well I'll just use the word mascot then. Uh, he can be a mascot, um, or maybe he could be an Instagram amb- ambassador for someone. Um, maybe that's his future calling. Or if we could go like full nuts, just get him to manage a team somewhere. I don't know where, but um, I mean... seriously, this story was when I realised that Henri Bedemo is at Marseille. And I completely forgotten because I was yes, looking who I. were their other left backs. It's like Jordan Amave, fine, good, and Henri Bedimo, who Bedimo's, has been all season. So Bedimo's that that player that if you are a fan of the online uh, video game world, he's that you're scratching around before the transfer deadline shuts for a left back, and you look at all the clubs and you go, right, who who do I even vaguely know in the league that I can afford? Bedima, he'll do. I'll shove him in. Yeah. He's one of those. No, um, but I mean, he obviously he was part of the Montpellier title winning side and there was a, a famous kind of video on YouTube of his best moments. He's a left back in basically the joint best defence in the league in their title winning season. There was one tackle. One. <laughs> Everything else was in bombing forward. I mean, he, he was doing, you know, lollipops and rainbow kicks in his own area. He was an absolute liability, but it was brilliant to watch. And now now he's still at Marseille and I had genuinely forgotten that and that makes me a little bit sad. Whatever yes. happened to Bocchelli? Um Who was the right back? Yep, aged and moved on, I think went to Nîmes for a bit. But has now retired, I think. You uh, you can all mock Evra, but until you've seen Armand Traore at left-back for your club, you can say nothing. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, or indeed, Igor Stepanov, so I could lob into that box as well. Uh, until then, um, I'll take Evra to be a cone putter outer or something like that. Actually, he might get a game for my Sunday League team, so maybe I'll get in touch. Um, but hey, until then, uh, we'll let uh, Patrice do what he does, whatever that is, uh, and uh, let him lick his wounds, uh, which is exactly what we're going to go and do, um, and hopefully cheer on France to a victory in Germany. So I shall just thank my guests for this evening. Thank you to Phil, to Rich, and to Jez. Uh, and we shall sign out for another week. Uh, this has been a list question special. If you enjoyed this and you want us to do it again, do let us know and we'll try and squidge one in in future we'll be back next week to review all the Liga games well not all of them of course but all the headlines all the stories so until then uh, keep it French enjoy your weekend's football and we'll be back next week